You're listening to The Wise Women Podcast, Season 2, Episode 25. I'm your host, Alicia Wilfert, founder of Yoke and Abundance, a creative leadership coaching business. This podcast is designed to inspire by introducing you to creative women living abundantly. I hope you'll delight in this conversation with Leah as much as I have. Yoke and Abundance friends, after last week's podcast, I wanted to give you something tangible that would be useful if you have goals that you also really want to achieve. What do you keep saying you want to do but haven't done yet? Let's sit down together and make whatever it is you're dreaming of possible. Register for my free one-hour goal-getting workshop. In this workshop, we'll look at what you want to do and begin mapping the course to get you there. I'll give you all of my best tips and tricks for achieving goals. You'll get a goal setting worksheet and my best checklist for actually achieving the goals you set. Join us for this free one hour goal getting workshop Monday, February 11th, 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. via a Zoom meeting. Please register in advance by visiting the Yoke and Abundance website and going to our events and workshops page. That's www.yokeandabundance.com. Today's interview is actually a blast from my past. Someone I've known since I was in the seventh grade, Leah McNaughton Liederman. She's an editor and a published author. We talk about owning the title of writer and how overwhelming it can actually be to step into our writing goals and how things we said and did in high school will reverberate throughout our entire lives. This interview is a nostalgic one for me, and it's one I'm really excited to share with you because Leah is such a creative person, and she's real, and she's real about what it's like to be a mom and a creative, a mom and a writer. I hope you'll love this very personal interview that not only gives you a peek into Leah and her creative process, but gives you a peek into my past as well. But first, a word from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Triad Local First, a nonprofit membership-based organization in Greensboro, North Carolina with members throughout the Triad. Triad Local First members include independent, locally owned retail shops, real estate agents, insurance brokers, marketing and advertising firms, accountants, dentists, restaurants, farmers, breweries, and more. TLF's mission is a commitment to building a strong local economy and a vibrant, unique community. For more information on how to support local independent businesses throughout the year, visit www.triadlocalfirst.com. Leah McNaughton Letterman. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a giggler. I know. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I feel like I'm like 13 again when I talk to you. Yeah. So you and I have known each other since I think I was in the seventh grade. I was and in the eighth. Yeah. Yes. Yes, because I was a grade ahead of you. Yep. So that would have been, what, 1996? Yep. That is over 20 years. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But that's what's amazing about like Facebook, because I think that that really brought us back. Because we did yeah. not keep in touch. No, there we were didn't. many, you know, many spans of years. But I'm so glad now. It's like, hey, here's this voice from the wilderness, from my past. <laughs> <laughs> we're just talking. That is okay. So it's just after Christmas. This mm-hmm. podcast will probably come out in a, in about three or four weeks. Okay. And um, we're just talking, reflecting on the upcoming New Year. And you yes. can remember a New Year where you came over and spent the night at my house. Yes. It was 97 or 98, yeah. and I remember hanging out in your room. I remember you had Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness oh, CD, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I really got to get that CD. <laughs> yeah. I want that. I got to get that, and I don't, I don't really remember much else, and if I would have been more together, I would have gone back into my journals, because at that time, I journaled every single day, and I know my entire high school career is cataloged daily. With what happened, journals. who I talked to, what we talked about. And so when I get there in my life in the next few years, because it's one of my goals, I'll have to tell you, <laughs> please, <laughs> here's the entry that you were a feature <laughs> you were featured in. 
<laughs> I it's love crazy. that. It's crazy. It's been really a neat tool to kind of go back and be like, I could tell you what I was doing on May 19th, 2008. <laughs> like, that is a great tool. It's kind of, it's, it's creepy a little yeah. bit. Like I'm a little weird. <laughs> you know, I journal almost every single day. Mm-hmm. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus yeah. the past two weeks. I, you're allowed to do that. Yeah. That's it the happens beauty. sometimes. Right. But it is funny because my brother asked me on Christmas Day, actually, he's like, Alicia, what do you do with all those journals? Don't you go back and read it? And I was like, I rarely yeah. go back and read them. Yes. No, it, it, that's kind of a chore. I have gone back and like flipped through them, you know, looking for specific dates. Um, but, you know, one of my goals is really to go back and kind of catalog. I'm going to number all the pages and then kind of kind of like a bullet journal in reverse. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to turn these into. So then I can catalog. Here's when I was dealing with this type of emotion or here's... Um, an episode with my dad or an episode with one of my brothers and catalog all this and then turn these into memoir type things. That's a huge undertaking. That's going to take me several years, but I'm hoping to start. Um, I'm thinking 2020 is kind of my goal for right now. And we'll just see. I have other projects I have to clear first, but that's one that's been, when I was writing them, that was always kind of my thought was like you know well when I was like 12 it was like well when I'm famous these would be worth money and like, <laughs> it's like the hubris of the young like I'm such an idiot <laughs> not at all but then I, I think it took many years to realize I'm not looking for fame but I do seek an audience yes and that was a big help to me to understand that it's not that I want to be famous but I want people to hear what I have to say. So now I have to figure out what do I have to say. Right. And so the best way to do that is to look at what you've been saying for 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what things rise to the fore? What, you know, what cream rises to the top? And that's what I'm hoping to find as I go through these. Um, so we'll see. Well, and that leads me to mm-hmm. kind of why you're here, too. Yes. Because you're a writer. Yes. A writer and an editor. Yes. And honestly, I think... It's hindsight is twenty twenty, but as long as I've known you, mm-hmm. you've been a writer. I've been writing for all that time, and it's very funny to even hear you say that word to me, like of oh, that sentence. You are a writer, because um, when when my second son was about less than a year, I was a keynote speaker for a the Shapiro Writing Festival at the University of Toledo, my alma mater. And I had actually been selected to be an intern for that festival when I was in graduate school. So it was a big homecoming kind of deal for me. Full circle. Yes, and it was a here I am. And they they asked me to come and speak about um, editing. And at that time, I kind of was thinking, well, I don't want to sit here and talk about working on other people's work. I want to tell them, like, hey, (laughs) I'm a writer too. And so that was the first time I kind of threw that stone out there. And I did say, my goal is in five years, it's, it's taken me five years to feel comfortable telling people that I'm an editor because I was freelance and I kind of felt imposter syndrome. So back at that time, that was two, three years ago, I said in five years, my goal is to feel comfortable saying I am a writer. Mm -hmm. And so I'm about two, two and a half, three years out. I'm I'm getting there. And then someone else just said it. You just said it to me. So like it must be catching. (laughs) I mean, I've read your work. (laughs) It was in a book. It was in a book that I purchased. I know, but it's still like, I feel like, no, it's not true. No, no, I'm not doing that yet. (laughs) And I should also say, so I'm so lucky right now because not only do I have you sitting in my parents' living room, but I also have your daughter who, how old is she? She is three and a half weeks. Or today's what, Wednesday? Weeks. Yes. Three, no, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I also still don't sleep. So yeah. She's three and a half months, and she'll be, um, yeah, last Friday she was three and a half months old. So if you hear, like, she's, like, slurp, slurping on her thumb. So if you hear weird noises, that's what it it's is. It's maple. And she's just so relaxed and chill. She likes to lay on the floor so she doesn't get too hot, and she just she just relaxes there. I do hold her, <laughs> but that's what she wants. She wants to just lay there. So yeah. She's happy. There's blankets. It's soft, and, Yeah. Well, before we get going, would you like an animal spirit card? I do want this. I'm so curious. I mean, this definitely takes me back to high school. I'm sure we played with tarot cards in the past. and Uh, Yeah. So Uh, are you familiar with the animal spirit card deck? Really am not. This is my very first thing, and I'm really excited to tell my sister-in-law about this. Oh, my goodness. We spent Christmas talking about her spirit guide being a snow leopard. Yes. So So do I get to choose it? or You are going to choose it. So this is um, a deck that has... All of the four elements represented in these animals, and, earth, and then wind, wind fire, fire, water, and it. then there's a fifth element, which is spirit, and those are creatures not of this earth. Got it. So okay. I'm not sure what you'll particularly get, yeah. but put your hands on the cards, close your eyes, and take a couple big deep breaths. Okay, let me get comfortable. Yeah, get cozy. Okay. 
Are you going to hear me doing heavy breathing? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. And then whenever you're ready, you can cut the deck with your left hand. You can open your eyes okay. and cut it into three piles. Okay. And then flip over whichever one you'd like. I like this one. Okay. The whole thing? Um, however you want to do it, actually. Right. Ooh, the mouse. Damn it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the mouse. Okay. I'm curious to see what so, this means. I, okay. What I would tell everyone about these cards is this is not necessarily your spirit animal sure. per se, right? Okay. This is maybe something that you're dealing with right now. Get it. Yeah. Or a person that's bringing this energy into your life. Got it. And a mouse is a creature of the earth. And creatures of the earth ask us the question, are we creatures of our own destiny or are we creatures of habit and knowing full well that there's a pro and a con to both of those mm -hmm, things mm -hmm. um and so much of my life is controlled by things i have formed into habits and routines and that was what has allowed me to plow forward mm -hmm. but then some of it is really you know you i would never have known 10 years ago that i would be living in indianapolis and that i would have be doing these things so that's interesting i don't know how i feel about destiny Mm. I, I guess I don't think about it. I think very pragmatically in terms of my goals. I'm always, yeah, I, that's how I am. That's and habit point. helps with goals. Yeah, that's it's huge in my huge. life. It's huge with when you have children, routine, and you have children who have exciting personalities, routine. And so that's like, and also me, I need it. Yeah. If I, I always blame the kids, like, oh, I need it for my kids. Like, no, it's for me. No, I I crave routine I myself. Need it. If I don't have it or if things get thrown in the air, I get really stressed. Well, sometimes. I'm going to be really curious to hear what you think of the mouse then okay. um, and, and how it is maybe showing up or not showing up in okay. your life right now. So detail-oriented, detail small-minded, nitpicky, or nervous. The mouse has an innate desire to tend to the details. It often spends its days fixing, preparing, organizing, and scrutinizing. Unfortunately, a mouse personality doesn't notice when they've gone too far. Soon they begin to have a limited and fearful vision of life and try to control every detail. This can be quite a painful experience for both the mouse and those around them. When mouse energy is at play, step back for a moment. It may be time to find a more purposeful project to delve into, one that's worthy of your exacting eye. When in balance, organized, resourceful, and prepared, when out of balance, busy with no purpose. To bring into balance a meaningful project. Yes. That's like, that is one of those, like, I hear people say when they have, you know, their astrology or zodiac or tarot cards, they say, like, oh my goodness. I really feel that right now because that's me to a T. Really? Um, I just recently on Facebook, I was feeling very, very stressed out. I can't even remember what it was now. It was something important, though, and I was rightfully stressed. But I was, oh, it was my son in school. So I was very stressed out and um, I was stress cleaning. And my younger son said, oh, mommy, can I help? And I was like, you know what? This isn't even about the mess right now. It's about, like, I just need to clean. You know, <laughs> yes. and I had to kind of tell him, like, no, you can't actually because mom's breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I knew what I was doing. I spend a great deal of my time. Yes, I organize. I have a bullet journal and I list out things I'm going to do. And I, you know, did I get my goals this week? And da 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 and I think about things all the time. It's all I just that I just think about things I said, things I should have said, things people said to me, or things I should do. I da 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 da, da constant and like, yeah, I could, yeah. This is embarrassing. <laughs> How does that show up in your life as a writer? Um, uh, let me think. Um, because I was having thoughts while you were reading that. Yeah. Um, do you want to take a look yeah, at it? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I do. Uh, sometimes fear pro bigger projects. So that's the, you know, limited and fearful vision of life, mm. trying to control every detail and rather than, and that's why editing is so nice for me because it's like, oh, I get to fix it all up. And it's like Tetris for my mind. I think I stole that from a client of mine, that phrase, Tetris, you know, Tetris with words. But um, uh, it's very satisfying. Mm. It, 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 it's just that, you know, that nice and neat thing of organizing yeah. and moving a paragraph here or there. And so that really fits with editing. And it's definitely a sense of um, tangible outcome. And that's a huge key word in my life right now. Like if I edit something, it's a project that's done and finished and put away in a little box. Whereas with writing, 
it can be very overwhelming to me to step foot into a new project or idea because it's so big and messy. Mm. And I want, yeah, I, I, writing is one word at a time. There's no more detail-oriented than that. Right. And um, I take it very seriously. You know, I need the right word for this. And I have agonized over finding like the, the specific word. And now I will, because I have trained, I know these things about myself, I don't stop writing because I can't find the right word. I just kind of even will put a placeholder in brackets right. and then keep going. But I'll sit there like, no, I need to have the exact perfect word. And I feel like, I can't think of an example right now, but I feel like there's been a few instances where like, it took me like a year or two to like, there's this one thing that I want to find a word for. Mm. <laughs> That's why I love those lists. Um, they have uh, words that aren't, in the English language, and I, I, I always look at those because I'm always searching for, um, you know, I, I think about nostalgia for the future, and there, I don't know how to, there isn't a word for that. Yes. And, and I think about it a lot, and maybe it's wistful, is it hopeful, but what if it's not hopeful, what if it's dread? I, I don't know, I, this is something that I think about. But um, I love that, I love it. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a word for it because I I'm a very nostalgic person. Um, I like to... Um, you know, coming back to Toledo, coming back to different places and visiting or smelling old medicines that you took mm -hmm. when you went to sixth grade camp. Yes. You know, yes. I'm very, very interested in that kind of thing. And so I think about, sometimes I feel that way about the future. Like, I feel like there's a certain feeling I have when I think about this and I can't put my, so that's like a 10 year project trying to find that word and I'm still working for it. But as far as writing, um, sometimes it can be difficult for me to step into something new. So, um, because I'm a pantser, which means I don't really outline necessarily. Mm. I just kind of have like, there's, there's an idea I have for a story. I've got this character and she's a cleaning lady and she's kind of neurotic, but maybe it's, maybe is she, you know, is it in a, in a dangerous way? No, but she's definitely disturbed. And I, I just kind of put her. Is there danger around her? Yes. And sometimes there is. And I, and I put her in a situation and then you know, I've just kind of been, it's almost like this is a weird way to think of it, but it's, I'm thinking of like uh, you're taking steps forward and as you're stepping forward, your footsteps are illuminating that dark. Yes. And I don't know what direction I'm going to go, but wherever I go, there's a little bit of like, oh, okay, now I, now it's illuminating this, but I don't go into the room with the lights on. Right. <laughs> That's a really beautiful way yeah. to put it. Yeah. I, I'm using a flashlight or I have, you know, a headlamp or something, but I can only... I can only see what's right there directly in front yeah. of me. It's very hard for me to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to do this and this is what's going to happen to her. There have been a few times that that has happened with certain stories and it's like so satisfying because that's that whole like nice boxed feeling. Right. Hey, she's going to do this and this and this and boom. The first story I ever had published was definitely that. Um, I still mulled it over for 10 years. <laughs> that's, how it, that's how it affects my writing is I... I um, I tend to mull things over and work things to death in my head. And then after a few years or a few months, whatever the case may be, of really thinking it over, I write it down and it all comes out. So that's kind of like the one way that it happens. Um, but you have beautiful writing habits as well though, right? I mean, you like write every day and you have a certain word count that you try to hit. No, not necessarily. No. Um, I go through spurts, definitely. But I definitely go through valleys. Um, I... Kind of like you, like, you know, the last few weeks I haven't journaled, but I have a list written down of, like, things I want to write about when I do get down mm. to my journal. Like, you need to write about these things that happened over Christmas break because I need to dissect them in my mind. I need to have them written down because in five years I won't remember it. Right. And that's a big one. I'm really huge on memory, um, future past memory and um, time, the passage of time and memory. These are things that I buy books about and I read about because it just fascinates Memory me. Memory plays tricks on you in a you lot of ways. Huge ways. It's huge. interesting to me the nostalgia that you're talking about as well mm -hmm. because I just went to Rock Show, which okay. in Toledo, Rock Show is um, bands of folks that I you and I went to high yeah, school I saw with. That, uh, you, Justin Dumas was there. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so people that. Uh, that we know collectively, like mm -hmm. Mike Schwanbeck and oh, Bakers, wow. both of them, yes. people that those listening to this yes. probably will have no idea who that is. But there's this nostalgia. But if you know, you, you know. know. <laughs> and so they do this every year, and it's the day before Christmas Eve, oh. and it's typically. Um, so it's like a big high school reunion, yes. but Leah and I are different grades, and right. we have lots of friends from lots of different grades and what's beautiful about right. this rock show is that yeah. 
it's like a big high school reunion with all of the people that we would know no, because that changes everything. It's like, so it great. Changes my plans for next year. Yes, Christmas. you should come. <laughs> I know I'm coming. But I mean, <laughs> I, watching these bands up there and watching at one point there were like four guys that I had at one point in my life had had a crush on, like uh-huh. standing up uh-huh. there, like playing. And, and there's this nostalgia <laughs> thinking, like, for what I was. dodging bullets or like it's just nice. It's just it's nice just to nice go, <laughs> to go back. I agree. I'm. I think about that with um, after each kid that I've had. Um, I haven't ever suffered from postpartum depression, um, and I'm fortunate in that. I mean, I, I've had, but I've definitely had postpartum anxiety or just times where I felt like there was a filter over everything mm. I was looking at. And I was always very interested and concerned about my mortality um, or mortality in general right after you've had a kid, which kind of makes sense. Yes. You know, you just yes. brought life into this world, and now you realize, like, oh my gosh, like one day I'm going to die. One day, you know, this person's going to die. And you just get really wrapped up in it. And that's dark. And I try to keep away from those yeah. thoughts. Um, so with this baby, I was really clear with my husband. I said, we can't watch any any movie that could be any way possibly bad or negative. As, after my second kid, I watched The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I have not seen that oh, yet. It's, very, it's cute and funny and all this. But I'm like, but no, they locked these women in, in an underground uh, thing. They were, they were uh, cultists. And that's the premise of the show. And then she breaks free. So it's ha-ha funny. It's Tina Fey, whom I adore. But I couldn't handle watching that show. And I've never watched it again. Because it was like, no, they locked those women up. And, and that's all I could focus on. My, I'm building up here. So with this baby, I said, we can't have anything negative. And what ended up happening is I was listening to old music from high school. And I was getting so nostalgic and just thinking, my oldest son, he's, he's entering high school. And what songs is he going to remember? Oh. And my wall of one of my rooms is um, not wallpaper, but it's there's um, my dad's records, um, his 45s from when he was in high school. So I'm very always interested in, in the high school is a really horrible but magical time in your yeah. life where you become who you're going to be. And I've changed a lot since high school. But there's still that kernel. There's like that essence of who yes. you always are. Like, and, right. And, and, and when I hear, like, this is what's funny. I wouldn't ever go out of my way to say, like, I'm a Weezer fan. I, mean, I like them. A song comes on the right It ear. reminds me yes. of, And it like, just brought me back. And I'm like, Weezer. I'm like, I'm thinking about Dave Mather and Alicia and Amanda. I mean, just think all these people. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, memories I didn't remember that I had. Yeah. Even though I journaled, even though I wrote it all down. And that's part of also why I've put off this project for so long and why I know it's going to take me so long. Well, let's talk so about rich. that. Okay, so you, I, one of the questions I always ask on this podcast, mm-hmm. and, and I'll just tell the audience listening, I know this is going to be a wandering podcast. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. And I want to like bring everybody in, but I think that this is going to be a rich conversation with lots of useful things. I but agree. What's one um, project right now that you're working on that you're really excited about? Oh, yeah. Um, this is actually the first time I've really talked about it publicly um, because it, I was afraid. I still mm. am. Um, I am putting together, I've compiled a short story anthology of horror short stories. It's all female writers, and each story is accompanied by a piece of artwork by a female artist. Um, so there's visual and written word. And um, I put this together, and I'm sorry, off the top of my head, I couldn't even tell you right now how many stories there are, um, because some people have contributed more than one. But um, it's not as if I have an all-female agenda or axe to grind. It really comes, uh, as a lot of things do, from where I am in my life and Mm. what I'm doing. And um, I shared with you earlier, after my second son, I was very alone. and that's just part of motherhood. And it's not, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. It's just part and parcel with, you know, you're just it's really just the there with the baby. And even when you're in public, you're so concerned with this baby and how it's behaving and what's going on with it and what it needs. The, the rest of the world is in a bubble separate from you. Yes. Um, even though they're peering in and judging you. But <laughs> that's fine. I, so I'm alone and I have this baby and I'm editing late at night when everyone else goes to sleep. I didn't want to stop working for very long because I didn't want to have the mom gap on my resume. Mm. So I just stayed in it and edited, and I was editing all of these horror books. I kind of just got in with a specific group of writers, mm-hmm. and I really, really like these people. And so I was doing two or three different authors at the same time, all female, and I was going out to take the dog out at night, and I'm looking over my shoulder because... Because you know, you've been reading yeah. horror. And I'm not just reading it. It's like when you're editing it, it's like you, you step inside and... You, you are now living it. I'm living in it. It's, I'm up to my ears in this, and I'm rearranging it, so I have to really be covered in it. And in a way, you have to be really careful with that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think that it's very, it can be very... 
powerful in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm very careful with horror. In fact, I'm, if I can say it, I'm looking forward to this being done because I'm going to step away from horror. Mm. Yeah, you know, I'm not a dark person, and I, you know, it's though. Anyway, so I have this all female cast, um, and I wanted. I'm editing these works, and these were not for this book. This was a separate thing. But I just heard these voices of these women, these writers, kind of conversing in my head. And I was thinking about, like, Lord Byron and Percy Bysshe Shelley and Mary Shelley. Or, wait, yeah, did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just talking and, you know, being in that, in that castle or what have you when there was a storm. And that's how she came up with Frankenstein or the Algonquin table. I'm thinking about these, these writers' voices. And so now here I am, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Indiana and I'm surrounded by cornfields and I've got this baby and I'm just alone. Um, some weeks go by where aside from my husband, the only adults I see are my Kroger cashiers and the librarian. And like all the moms are vying for the librarian's attention. <laughs> I see it every week. Like that's another thing I'm working on in my head. But That's um, gonna be a great story. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's like wonderful and pure but pathetic. Um, You'll appreciate this. Yeah. Um, I just, being in Toledo, mm. decided to go back to the library that I grew up mm. going to. And so I mm. happened to be driving down the street and it was Sunday. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize the library was open on Sundays. I think I'm going to pop yes, in. Yes. And they've completely redone this library. And it was, mm. I think, the Sanger branch, I believe it okay. is, in Toledo yeah. and yes. on Savinia Avenue. Right. And I walked in and I was like, nope, doesn't look anything like I remember it. Yeah. And the librarian stopped me and she's like, do you need something? And I was like, I need to leave is what yeah, I need to yeah. do. I had the opposite where I went to the downtown library, which um, I had grown, grown up going to. And I was just, you know, like, I didn't ever appreciate this the way I should have as a kid. Yeah. So um, it was it was pretty magical. But um, so I have all of these women's voices. Hi, baby. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> she's going to cry a little bit. Right by the microphone. Right by the microphone. Yeah, we can we can edit that out later. Yes, we um, can. So I wanted to get them together, like the Algonquin Circle, and because of technology and all of that, we can do that. Yeah. So I just, you know, sent a bunch of emails out and said, hey, I like your voice. I want to put it in a book. And um, I've been working on it for several years because I've worked around all of my other deadlines and projects. This has always been my back burner. Mm. And I think that really frustrated some of the women that I worked with on this. And I, and I, I can't blame them because it's taken a long time. It's gone at a glacial pace. Um, I, after the birth of my third baby, as I was pregnant with her, I told my clients, like, I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm leaving. Because I've had this project I've been trying to do for two years, and I can't even do it. Because I'm, and I didn't tell them all that. I'm not trying to complain or be bitter, but part of my issue, you know, speaking of being a mouse, is that, that tangible outcome. Um, editing is nice and neat and tidy, and yeah. I can just do it and be done. And so it always, it's, it's a form of procrastination, procrastination um, that instead of working on my own project, I'm going to do the paid work first. Yes. And I finally just said, you know what? It's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it anymore. Um, I need <laughs> to, um, I need to do my own thing. So this year, uh, I've got everything is, is just about wrapped up. I've got one or two loose ends, and I'm going to run a Kickstarter. Because I did approach a few publishers, but short story anthologies, boy, you really have to have a huge platform. Following, yes. Yeah. And I just, even with all of us combined, and there are some women on here that um, have pretty big followings. They run the con circuit, and they do comic book things. Um, and they do have the following, but um, anyway, I, we're going to self-publish it, and... I'm hoping that that will be, that's going to be done by the end of 2019. And that's going to clear off a whole lot of room for me yeah. to then work on. You know, it's funny. I feel like I say I want to clear off my plate and stop editing so that I can work on my own projects. And even though this is my project and it is my baby, it's like I'm ready for the next one. Yeah. So you, that's the problem is you got to focus And are you on. thinking about memoir next? Yes, absolutely. Memoir is... Um, when it's I went, my favorite genre, I, so... Yes, and I always just... I just didn't realize that was a thing you could do. You know, I, when people say I'm a writer, you know, the, the assumption is always fiction. And I have published a, a few things in fiction, and I like fiction, and I read fiction, but on my bookshelf at home, uh, 75 to 80% of it is nonfiction. Mm. It's history, it's memoir, it's biography. Um, like 60% of my shelf is self-help, and then the other percent <laughs> is memoir. <laughs> And memoir is so much of self-help. It yeah. really is. Um, I'm obsessed with, not obsessed, but as I've already mentioned, I'm really interested in memory and how people capture it 
and how it manifests in people's lives. I think about things my parents said and did or my, my brothers or sisters said and did and how that affected me, what things stick mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, something you said earlier, we were talking about how we memory plays tricks on us and yeah. you'll appreciate this because uh, you and I met because I was wearing my yellow beetle shirt and you liked it. Uh, I did, like, I, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that's how we became friends, was you commented on it. And, um, okay, the, sh- the song Eleanor Rigby, mm-hmm. and I'm going to screw it up because I haven't read this recently. But They I played a- that at Rock Show this oh, year. Of course they did. They knew I was going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> this tangled web we weave. <laughs> okay, so the name of it is Eleanor Rigby, and when they asked Paul McCartney, because he wrote it, why did you name it that? And he said, I can't remember what Eleanor was, but he, he kind of had some, oh, it was some lady or what have you, but Rigby was the name of a shop. Hi, baby. Yeah, you want to talk about the Beatles, too. Yes, she does. She listens to them. Rigby was the name of a shop, and he used to walk around um, while his girlfriend was on a movie set, and he saw this, you know, so that's how he put it together. But... But in the churchyard where John Lennon and Paul McCartney met, there is a gravestone that says Eleanor Rigby on it. Oh my goodness. I'm not kidding you, okay? So it's these kinds of things just I feel like you might have told me this I story everyone, before. Everyone who's listening yeah. who knows me is like, oh, there she goes, oh, that Eleanor Rigby no. again. <laughs> you would think if after I told so many people, I would actually do the research and find out exactly what Paul said. <laughs> no, but it's better to like remember the story yeah, yeah, that you've been telling. The story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I wrote a whole paper several papers. I presented two different papers about uh, on the Battle of Malden. It's a poem, uh, an Anglo-Saxon poem. Um, and it, the reason it's so interesting to me is because most of the poem is missing. And so we just have like a fragment of this poem. And even the fragment we have is a copy yeah. of the original manuscript. So it's like, you know, facsimile and, 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 and what are they, it's a palimpsest. It's, it's underneath there. It's, it's underneath layers of memory and what cultural memories we've assigned to it. What, what cultural significance was assigned to it, depending on what century we were reading it. All of this stuff boggles me. Yeah, it's And so when neat, I though. think about memoir, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm, and I'm looking at the records on my, on my wall that were my dad's. I'm thinking about him as a teenager. I'm, I'm thinking about capturing myself as a teenager to project what my children might be as teenagers and how do we line up. And I, this, I think about this all the time, and I think that memoir is going to help me hash it all out. Yeah. Because it's such a mess in my head. And I get excited when I talk about it, but I'm also very confused. <laughs> like I don't, it's so big. And that's, you know, again, that like walking into the room, it's not lit up, but I have an idea. And the goal is basically first just to organize my notes, go through. I have a solid, I think, seven to eight years of almost daily journal writing. Mm. I lost it in my 20s. I was just, you know, graduated from college and I was in grad school and I just I lost it in my you 20s too yeah. Yeah. And, I, and then I, I used to beat myself up a lot about it and then I think the beautiful thing about the 30s is that you forgive yourself for everything you did in your 20s yeah. <laughs> and you just let go of it and you move forward and you know it's just I, I, I really love it um, and uh, there's a lot of things I want to hash out with uh, with my dad I, I I know um, he died uh, three years ago he died just after the birth of my second son and um Really unexpectedly, too. Very unexpectedly. I mean, it was really out of nowhere. That was just, you know, it it just, it hit hard because he was very healthy and he, you know, he was at the gym and he ate well. So it was really devastating and, you know, obviously, but for for that, because it was so sudden and I had a brand new baby. So speaking of, you know, mortality and and postpartum depression and it just, oh, it was so interesting to see, you know, to be um, at my mom's house with all of us there. And there was such a depth of grief. People coming in from all over the country mm. to express their condolences. People calling. And you know, there were some people who were calling and just in tears. And we were comforting them. You know? But then I had this brand new little baby who really wouldn't let me put him down. Not like, you know, this girl, she spent half, you know, she loves to just be on her own. But um, Oliver was different. and He really needed me. And um, I would just have to separate myself from all of the busyness and the people and I would have to go into a room and just be quiet and nurse him and it was really and sit with your own grief yeah. well I was sitting with my own grief but also my joy I have this oh. little baby I have this sweet sweet little baby who I'm just in love with um, my brother Zach whom you do know um, he he is a writer as well and a poet um, and he reads a lot my mom and I took him you know all of us had to go home after the funeral and we kind of dropped off slowly you know go right back to Cleveland right back to where you got to go and Zach came up from Florida so my mom and I drove him to the airport and I walked him you know I had that image of him walking away and I looked down and he had forgotten his books on the back seat and it was too late and well 
I have these books now. One of them was Khalil Gibran, The Prophet. And oh. I, I told him, I said, Zach, you left your books. The other was Philip K. Dick, Vallis, and that was not something that I was ready to read when I was part of But The Prophet. Yeah. Well, that was funny because he said, well, I kind of left The Prophet on purpose. The other book I'm going to need back. <laughs> and I tried to read it and I was like, yeah, I can see why you need this back. It's not for me. But um, I, so I read The Prophet and I read the poem about joy and suffering. And I stopped. It was just, at that point, it was just me and my mom. And I knew I was going to stay with her for about a week just to be with her and get things in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I'm kind of her sidekick. My mom and I are very close. And... Uh, I read, I said, Mom, I have to read this to you. And we read his poem on joy and suffering. And we cried together. We mm. just wept. And I thought so much of, here's this picture of me in this grief, in this house filled with grief. And it was so big. It was so immense. And then here I was with this tiny little human being. And the joy was just as big and just as immense. And, and it was so tangled. But you know, but and that so that poem captured. I'm that. gonna add a link in the show notes Please. to this of that poem because I can't quote it. Well, and, and it's interesting be because a theme that keeps coming up on this podcast mm-hmm. in the last season and mm-hmm. now it seems like in this season too, is that joy and grief and joy oh. and stress are two sides of yes. the same coin. Oh, it's yes. like you ha- can't have one. Like mm-hmm. before you and I started, I mentioned that like I'm personally in a valley right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm having a really tough time, right. and. Yet there's still so much joy, and it's interesting yeah, how yeah. sometimes when you're in the valley and you see the joy, it's like you don't want to let it in. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's not there right. and that you can't access it. Right. But you have to open the door. You do. And let you it. do. I now that's a beautiful thing. I, I have this image of um, my family has a a little bit of land in, in Maryland. Um, it's right on the corner of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Maryland. A little pocket of land, and um, there's a cabin. I think my great great grandfather got it, um, and he passed it down to his kids. And now we're there. And uh, it is in a valley, quite literally. Mm, in a valley. Yes. And, and you can tell, I mean, the sun sets early. We go there in July, and the sun sets early. Like, it gets dark at like 7 or 8. Wow. Because you're in the valley. In the valley. And, and so I do have an image of, yeah, you can see sunbeams coming down, and you see them sparkling mm. through the trees. I mean, that's the joy. It is there. You kind of have to chase it. And you have and to pay attention. You have to pay attention. And chasing it is not always possible. It's just not when you're in there. You, right. just, you can't. Um, so I don't want to stretch the, the the metaphor too hard, but <laughs> I just had that image when you said that. Like, because um, I feel like I have been through many valleys in the last few years, and right now, for the first time in a very long time, and I don't say this, and I feel weird to say it to you after you just told me you're in a valley, but like I feel like I'm at the top of the highest mountain I've ever been in in my That's life. That's so great. And I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. No, 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 no. Like, enjoy the being at the top That's of the valley because we all, yes. in life, there are times I we're at the know, top and there's times right? that we're in the bottom, right? I just right? keep thinking, like, how negative am I that I'm like, I'm so, I keep using it, and I hate to even say it, like, I, I whisper it to my notebook, blissfully happy right now. Yes. And I kind of just, I just feel like, you know, I, I have this beautiful, complete little family unit, and I'm just very happy, and my husband and I really love each other, and then I, and then I kind of think, like, what's going to go wrong? No. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to die. Like, I just, it's awful, but that's how I am. Like, that's no. the anxiety, right? Yeah, right? That's the little thing that's gnawing at the corner of my mind. And that's the thing, too, about, like, in Buddhism, it's, like, mm-hmm. not, it's, that takes us out of the moment, right? Yes, like the moment no, is actually joy. Yes, and I had to really train myself. Now I have even done, um, when you're a parent, there are so many parenting platitudes and it's just like gag worthy and just, and, I, and I've written about this and I plan to write more and I don't mean to denigrate anyone's experience, but it really bothers me when people throw out there like, oh, they grew up so fast, enjoy it while you can. Because <laughs> I'm just like, no, I live in this. I'm rolling right. elbows deep in this every single day and when I look back at pictures of my older sons when they were babies, I think, yeah, it feels like it's been about nine years. It doesn't feel like that flew by. Right. It feels like I was there every day. And now some people aren't. And there are different conditions. And I don't mean to speak ill of anyone else's experience, but I feel the same way when people say they grew up too fast. I'm like, no, nope, they grew up just fast enough. Just fast enough. If they grew up any slower, I would go nuts. Um, oh, you're fasting. Maple wants to be on the podcast. Yes, yeah, she does. I love it. Yes. Um... So uh, he, I, I lost where I was going with that, but something about parenting and platitudes. Well, I have another question for you because we, it was something that we were just... She is talking to you. I know. Hi. <laughs> you can be on the podcast too. We were talking earlier about um, how 
after your first son was born, you moved mm -hmm. to Indiana yes. and you wanted to get your PhD yes. and you were not accepted into a PhD mm -hmm. program, and which mm -hmm. blows my mind because I just have to say you are one of the most intelligent, the McNaughton's were always the most intelligent people <laughs> that I had ever met. And um, you were talking about how that was tough. Can you talk about yeah. did, what did that feel like and how did you get out of that valley? It took a long time. And I, and I think the reason, you know, I'm, I'm on this, this high mountain right now and I, and I kind of like I'm hating myself and I don't want to tell people because I, when I was in the valley, like I was like, I tried not to be jealous or hateful. Right. <laughs> but I was like, I kind of hate you for being on a mountain, for being positive. Um, <laughs> yeah, we moved to Indianapolis. Um, my husband was starting up a company and he was working crazy hours of the week. I had a two-year-old baby. Um, <laughs> And uh, kind of, and not, not that he needed to sweeten the deal, but I was hesitant to move out there. We didn't know anyone out there. And um, kind of sweetened the pot was saying, oh, you'd only be an hour from Purdue. You'd only be an hour from Indiana University. Um, and I also, uh, I applied at uh, two other places. Um, as far as, I appreciate your compliment about my intelligence. Um, unfortunately, that's not always even what they're looking for in a PhD application. There's a lot of, there's, I don't want to use the word politics, but there's a lot of, they want to see what you're capable of as an academic. Um, and I wasn't the right fit. And I do know from an inside source that I was very close to getting in to mm. the one place. Like I was in the second round where then they finally, and you know, I didn't get in, but that was, it was devastating. I can remember calling my mom and kind of being like, yeah, ha -ha, I didn't get in. I've got this, I have this, uh, I think it's a Facebook post or a picture. I had a bottle of whiskey in my three rejection letters. Oh you know? <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was my picture. Here it is. We regret to inform you. And I talked to my mom and I was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, it's okay. We'll just do something different. Yada, yada. And she's, she listened and uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she just finally said in a very nonchalant way, you can be strong all you want, but your mother knows. And I, <laughs> I get it. You know, she really, she knew that was my heart wanted that so, yeah. so badly. And uh, I'd always wanted it, always wanted it. Um, and then I guess I just realized, it would, I don't know how I got out of it. Uh, I was working full time teaching. I went to several different places. Um, I think I got out of it by, st I had to stop focusing on myself so much. I was kind of forced mm. out of it. Um, my my oldest son, he and I, th I think I told you earlier. He you know he has some health problems with food allergies and, and asthma, and he's a normal kid, whatever you know. But um, I didn't want him to be the youngest, and I really, even though I didn't know anyone out there, I thought you know I'm I'm not going to be I'm not going to pursue this PhD. It's not going to work. This is gone from my life. I have to let it go at this point. Maybe ten years we'll go back, but um, right now it's not going to work. So I think I'm going to have another kid. And, um, you know, I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to be here by myself. My husband's going to be working a lot. And it really, and he, and he, and I don't want to say this on a podcast so it's permanent, but he can be, he's a, he's a temperamental kid. He's a, a big handful and he's full of life and vigor and spit. And um, he brought me, he showed me a lot about myself because a lot of the things that he has trouble with dealing with are things I have trouble dealing with. And so I started mm. to really see like, here is this kid who's having complete crazy meltdowns and I get it. I understand why he's upset and I can kind of translate uh, and not all the time. And I, I, I miss the mark a lot, but a lot of times I'm like, oh, I know why you're upset. I, I can trace this back. So uh, I learned to read myself in a, yeah. new, in a new way and um, to see yourself reflected, to see your worst qualities reflected in this little kid and to see them suffering. <laughs> on account of it. I just thought, you know, I just had to let go of a lot and I had to treat myself differently. I learned to treat myself. You know, here I'm reading all these books. I'm researching how to handle him and how to help him. And I'm even telling my husband, like, okay. And seeing my husband saw me doing these things and he took cues from me. So instead of fighting over how we're going to raise these kids or what have you, or, you know, we started to really get on the same team and so just slowly but surely like these difficulties that we're facing are uniting us and it's making forcing me to treat myself better because I'm seeing oh I need you need to talk to him this way and I said you need to talk to me that way so I'm curious mm -hmm. um how do you think having children has enhanced your writing that is a good question and I I, I don't know that it's changed the writing itself I think that the writing itself is just different from project to project, um, mm -hmm. from day to day. Um, I think 
so I, I, could, I, can't, I had to think about that too. How, how has it changed the actual art of it? And I don't know if it has. I think that it has, it has made me much more honest in my writing. Mm, why and, do you think that is? Um, because, you know, as I keep talking about, you know, being alone, I, I navigate my world via Facebook. I have a huge uh, community that I have cultivated, and I use that word very carefully, you know, very specifically. Yeah. Um, and I am not, and, and I know many people who, who gush about their sweet babies and children, and I think it's wonderful. And I'm like, yes, you, you go and you gush, but that's not who I am. Right. So it has helped me recognize my brand. Um, I've edited a, a couple of uh, Russell Nolte's book, Sell Your Soul, How to Make Money Being a Creative, or I'm, I bungled that title, but it's something, it's, it's something that. like that. Um, it's been a few years since I did it, but um, he, he talks about it, my, uh, my friend and client, Dirk Manning, uh, several others, they all talk about building a brand. You know, we operate on social media and these platforms, so you're going to have to be a brand. Um, mm. And it was hard for me, especially I'm doing this horror thing, and I'm like, I don't really want to brand myself as a horror author because I'm not really comfortable with it. I'm doing this project because I think it's just a pet project. I thought it would just it's be fun. A, it would be a neat little thing to do um, and I really admire the women that I'm working with. So I wanted to, yes, yeah, she does too. So I really wanted to to do that. So um, uh, uh, I lost it, hang on. I was talking about selling your soul, how to make money, oh, branding. So, okay, I'm just talking, you know, out loud. I'm talking to my brothers and sisters and people online on Facebook about my kids. And it's always tongue-in-cheek. It's always sar sarcastic. I love it. It's biting. It's against the grain. And here and there, I'll be very honest. Like, there was one a few weeks ago where I was like, dude, guys, I am really having a hard time. And every now and again, I'll just put one out there. And I have a picture of me, like, drinking a glass of wine because there's a whole mom and wine culture, which I kind of don't always like, but... Me and wine have nothing to do with parenting. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's a chicken and egg thing going on yeah. there. <laughs> That's another podcast. That's, That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> we'll have a to different bring memoir. for that one. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a, yeah, uh, I, I just started realizing, like, okay, so I'm trying to brand myself. And I'm like, I have been branding myself. Right. I have been branding myself as a, as a, as a mom who's got these funny kids, who's just kind of silly and who likes to make these funny observations. It's not that my life is so crazy or my kids are so crazy, but I am the person who chooses to share that stuff. Right. That's And, and so I'm thinking there's certain things I'm very open about. And so my branding... Um, and even as a person who doesn't have children, mm -hmm. I love 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 reading your facebook posts and that's what people were telling me like yeah. there are a number of people who have like, even just messaged me or just said like i don't even have kids but they, this is great and i have had it's some because people, you're true i think that's it like it's i'm the just truth. very honest yeah. about it and if i can't be honest about something i don't post it it's it really yeah. that's where i'm at like if i'm not ready to be honest about it i just leave it alone i, I don't need to air everything out on yeah. here um but i do try to be honest in my own writing for myself and i just think everybody needs to follow you as a writer especially like you did a post about your husband recently yeah yeah and on your blog what's the name of your blog again <laughs> i'm so we'll linked to it <laughs> i'm so stuck it I was think it's so just good. Leah letterman I don't think yeah it no it. yeah I think it's it just Leah letterman yeah it was so truthful and you mm -hmm. you made a comment that you tell your students your writing mm -hmm. students that if there's something uh, yes. Now, there, um, just to be sure, I, I, yeah. I did teach composition, but I yep. never really called them like my writing students. That right. makes me sound like I taught creative writing, which I have not, which I maybe in the future would I like really to. wish you would. I, I, I'm considering it, but I feel like I need to get some of my own and stuff And I wish you would online so I can take your class. Yeah, and people have also said that. And I'm like, you know, that sounds like something I could entertain the thought of doing in 10 years, 15. Yeah, I like a six-week writing class. Yeah, no big deal, deal right? The, it, it, the 30s are going to be mine, I think. Um, the next five years, at least, are just going to be mine. Um... Uh, this is what I said. Um, so when you're, you, this is, I was talking, we were talking about arguing and debating yeah. and, and how to choose a, um, a topic for your paper. Like if there's a question you have or something's just bothering you, you watch the commercial and something about it just bothered you or you couldn't quite put your finger on it. Dig deeper. Yeah. Don't just say, oh, that kind of bothered me and just be annoyed and change the channel. Like, no, just what, take that time to investigate because it's worth investigating yourself and how you operate. Um, I thought of um, the one example I can think of off the top of my head, and hopefully I don't bungle this, but I would always have um, print out the I Have a Dream speech. Mm. And I would have the students watch 
the video and read along and then we would just break it down and, and dissect it and talk about how he delivered it and the different writing devices he used um, like uh, just a repetition I have a dream that's a very famous repetition yep. but throughout the speech it's 100 years ago 100 years later 100 he repeats this thing that's called anaphora when you're um, repeating a phrase at the beginning of a, of a line they used it a lot in Anglo-Saxon and Old English poetry um, and it, it just stems from the oral tradition it's it's you know, when you're giving a speech it keeps people there with you Yes. Because when you're just listening, you just kind of wander off. Um, and so I'm going through this this um, this speech, and there's one, he said, I have a dream that one day little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white girls and little white boys. So, so something like that, and I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a direct quote. I'm sorry, it's been a few years now. But um, I took... I actually did a little chart. I can, I can send you a link to a picture. <laughs> but if you, it, little black boys and black girls. And I, and I would do L, B, B, A, B, G. Like the, the, the first letter. And then, and then the little white boys and little white girls. And they have the exact number of words on each side. It's completely level. If you were to put, so little white little black boys and black girls so like the iambic batameter of it is yeah it, right it, the, the rhythm of it it's not quite that hang on the the little white boys little black boys and girls and little white boys and white girls and then the fulcrum is we'll be able to join hands with but there's a same exact number of words on, on either, either side. side they're perfectly equal so that in the very structure of this line of the speech he has embodied what the speech is about Equality. Equality. And I just, so I get all of that and because I, I love that line. And it wasn't just because it was a beautiful sentiment, but I was like, no, I love the rhythm of it, the cadence. Right. Like, oh, this is just so good. I just so got good. like tingles when yeah. you pointed that out. <laughs> it's even better when I have a dry erase board. <laughs> <laughs> we might share the same love of whiteboards. <laughs> so I, so I, and I just, when I, when I just did a little bit of research and that's what, you know, um, the, that's what my graduate degree kind of taught me how to do is close reading right really dig deep into that detail out. that nitpicking yes. that like getting I in there into that this tiny little nugget in this huge speech or well, it wasn't huge but you know what I mean and it the 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 content of the words and its meaning was they're inextricably bound to one another yeah and and so in the text itself the very words and their structure embodies and reflects the greater thing so I say all that because that's what dig deeper when something bothers you when, yes. when you, when you like something, dig deeper, look closer. Because if you really like it, when you dig deeper, you'll like it more. Right. There's more there yes, to see. Yes, always. And so that was what, um, with this piece of writing, this was a um, just a scene where I don't know, I don't even know what I was doing. I was standing on my back porch. I don't know if I had the baby or not or what. And my husband just comes around the corner and he's singing. And he just has this, it's kind of shaky, like it's a rusty pipe. Like mm -hmm. he hasn't used it. And I'd heard him sing, he would sing like, um, oh baby, you got what I need. <laughs> and he would just do it really obnoxiously, like he wasn't trying to, and not that he was trying hard to sound good, but he was just, just he wasn't being silly. He was, right, just, he was just singing, singing. from this, this deep part of him. And Rick and I have been together since I was 17 years old. So that is- You a have a line in this yes. that like for some reason- I just... had known him longer than I hadn't. Yes. The first time I heard him sing. And it was really true. And that, <laughs> like, like, it was just bare naked truth. Gutterly, I can feel that line. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's bare naked truth set to a rhythm. That's mm. what that line is. And it, and, and it just, and I'm not going to say I sat, that, that, he, that this thing happened, he sang, and I just went inside and wrote down. No, no, no. He, that scene happened, like, maybe two summers ago. Yeah. And it just, while I'm cleaning, I love to clean because it clears my head. Mm. And I can just get lost in my head. Or when I'm painting... Um, not, not painting art, but like my walls. It's mm -hmm. just, you're just doing a, 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 a mind numbing task. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you just let your brain wander. I love doing that. And that's when I get most of my writing done. That's why people think such great things at one and two in the morning is because your brain's just relaxed or yeah. usually, you know, you're, you're just right there. So, um, I sat on that for like probably two years and then I just thought, okay, you've got to write that down. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to start doing is like all of these things I've had in my head swarming for several years yeah. and I start writing that down like um I cannot wait to yeah, read your that, memoirs and that's what I'm trying to do yeah it's like okay you've been always putting it off or not doing it and procrastinating and there's so many different reasons 
and I'm not going to say they're all excuses. Like, no, there's just some things aren't Good ready. Good reasons. To, or some things aren't ready to be written. Mm. And that's the other part. Like, I definitely think you need to be disciplined. I definitely think you, and I don't do a word count every day. I, I don't necessarily think that's healthy for someone in my station. Mm. Because if she is sick, or my other kid is sick, or just something happens, that really does have to come first. And right. if I have a word count I'm not meeting, I will resent my children. And that sounds really dark, but it's very true. This is the kind of person that I am, right. and that's not pleasant. But if I have something that I want to get done, a deadline, and there is something impeding me from meeting that, I mean, I, I have to practice deep breathing, and I can let it go. But at the heart of it, there is a resentment there. That, right. It keeps right. me from enjoying it, from being in the moment. Um, so I have to be careful. I don't do these word count kind of things, but I really do aim for like every seven to ten days. I have a complete unload into my journal. Mm. Or what I'll do is I just turn on the audio on my phone. I email. I open an email and I go open speech to text, and I just start talking in my email. Mm. And that's what I did with this piece of writing with, about my husband. Is I, I just um, had been simmering it every every couple of months. I kind of remember like you need to write about that. It's something about that moment just really resonated with you and I don't know why or what it is and I started wheedling with it thinking about it more and I was cleaning I was sweeping and I started thinking about his voice and how his voice has always been that was like one of the first things that that I noticed about him because my dad had a really big voice mm -hmm. and so then I was like oh let's compare your dad's voice to your husband's voice and how they're similar and how they, and I, so it started becoming something and then I don't have a time where I can just sit down for you know an hour straight and just just write that doesn't happen for it's me funny the majority of true published writers that i know mm -hmm. don't have a time where they can just sit down and write yeah and some people really carve out that time and different writers are different and i am um, what is it stephen king has some quote about like life has to be about art not art about life or something i don't know a lot of people rave about his book on writing and i'm like all it really did was make people hate adverbs and <laughs> and i think it's great it was a good book but people right. really freak out about it and i just I'm bitter, and I know I tend to be a bitter person. And well, I'm, when you write a book on writing, I'll, I'll I, I buy know, it. <laughs> I know that his wife is a writer too, but I just remember thinking, like, well, of course we got all that writing done. Like, who was watching the kids? <laughs> like, so another project, and this is again probably a few years out, but I've started vlogging about being a mom and being a writer, yeah. and that's um, that is a project I'm going to be doing. It's because I re I've read a lot of books on writing, and I've read a lot of books on mothering, and I want to marry the two. Yeah. Um, and so I have the book set up, and I've started to kind of put these blog posts out, and that will be something I put out is a book about how to be a creative person and a parent at the same time mm -hmm. because I think that book needs to be written it's I like, think it does you know too. What is it? it was it Oprah who said it like write the book you want to read or was it yeah. Toni Morrison I totally <laughs> whoever said that was, <laughs> God, was right well I'm I have so um, another the last question I have for yes, you yes. Um, two questions I have mm -hmm. for you actually the first is um, and this is an interesting one for me to ask you because mm. you were the first person I've had on the podcast who I actually knew yeah, when they yeah. graduated from high school. Nice. So if you could sit like you're graduating from high school self down or you're graduating college self down mm -hmm. and give her a piece of advice, what would you tell younger Leah? Oh, wow. Okay, so I have to think about it. My, my, my knee jerk is thinking back to those times in my life and what was ahead of me that I know now. Mm -hmm. that I didn't know then and I'm thinking about these two specific times in my life where I was in a huge valley and one was just mm. a few years ago and one was a few years after high school so I'd probably want to talk to that girl right as she's graduating from high school and what do I I don't want to just say like avoid going here <laughs> I don't want to be so specific about that but like no um uh, don't fly off the handle about things. Mm. I think that's really it, because I think those, those the, the spiraling, I would really sp spiral out of control. And I, I guess I, I, I don't know what the advice is, and that's, so it's a very good question that I will consider mm. a lot, um, because it will help me understand why I spiraled, if I could figure out what I need to say. Yeah, um, like that might be an essay. <laughs> yes, right, you know, I'd have to kind of write it and tweak it down. Um, I do write, I do think through writing, um, and so that helps me a lot. That's why the memoirs are going to be very helpful. It's going to help me. It's the writing to understand. Yes, yeah. yes, and that's really what I want to do. So I'll probably do that with this question. But my knee-jerk re response is like, there were just a few times in my life, and what was the kernel? Was, I spiraled out of control, but what was the the, the event, the, the catalyst? And I think it was not being in control. Mm. Um, you know, one was because I was still under the the... 
I'm using this motion of my hand crushing my other hand. Right, right. I was still under the, the, the roof of my parents, who I really, really love and adore. But at that time, in many people's lives, it's a big emotionally crushing, you know, time. you're trying to figure out who you are. And I wasn't in control. I didn't feel in control of my mm. destiny. So there's that word to bring it full circle. Yeah. But that was really it. Like, I am not in control. I don't know what to do next. I'm panicking. And I think that that's the, the, the two valleys, the biggest ones in my life. The thing they have in common is that in both of those situations, I felt like I am not in control of what's happening in my own life. Mm. And so... Uh, as far as but we're never really in exactly. control, are so, we? So as far as advice is like, how can you let go? How can you meet in the middle? See, here's me talking to my son, is how can we mm. meet in the middle? Instead of me mandating or having a battle of wills, this is what's going to happen. Let's, you know, how can we turn this into making good choices? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking to a toddler. It's so good. Yes. That's what I needed. How do we meet in the middle? I mean, I can see a temper tantrum coming from him. I can see it. I can see the seeds of it. I can kind of see where his eye twinges a certain way. And I spend a great deal of time trying to prevent this from happening. And the rest of my time trying to, you know, assuage that, (laughs) that problem. And so I'm looking at my own life in retrospect and seeing, like, I can see the seeds of this you know, week, several week long temper tantrum that had years of repercussion for me, you know, and so I, Mm. you know, um, uh, I, I think I need to take further lessons, I guess, from what I, what I've taught myself about my toddler. I love Um, that though. That's, that's where I'm at. That's, that's not really an answer. That's an answer. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's something, it's a continued process. There are things that I did and said and behave, certain behaviors when I was 17 that have, you know, more than half of my life span later. Mm. still echo yes and i think I that's the feeling that's why high school is you know it, we kind of roll our eyes at it but it is so poignant so poignant and that's why you go and you see these bands from high school and your crushes and you just the things we did and said then really do reverberate into the rest of our lives and that's what i tell my my older nieces and nephews you know it is it is important so i feel yeah. satisfied with that but it's i think something i'm you just helped me kind of make some more connections <laughs> that i'm like oh yeah it's like a temp, temper tantrum yeah. well okay so last question uh-huh. is how do you live a life of abundance of oh, that's a good question um you know i think the the, the parenting platitude yeah. is uh you know enjoy every moment live love laugh <laughs> um what i have been doing because i am you know this mouse and I'm always, you know, with the little teeth. <laughs> I'm always nervous about things. And I'm always planning things. And I get really out of sorts if it's not planned out. I have, since this baby has been born, and we know that she's going to be our last one. She is my first and only girl. Um, she's so, she's so <laughs> remarkably so <cute>. sweet. <laughs> she really is. And there have been several mornings where I wake up and I know I've got to get things done. And, you know, you sit there in bed sometimes and, like, I don't always just roll out of bed. I catalog what I'm going to get done Mm. and, like, the path I'm going to take to get where I need to go that's the most effective and the most productive. This is actually how I plan things. Like, I'm not – I don't just walk down the hall. I have, like, grab this thing so that you can put it there, you know, and (laughs) this is how I'm very, very task-oriented. And so with babies, that can be hard because babies don't follow any of those rules. And um, so, again, I'm sorry for – I don't want to be, you know, one-sided with or, or alienate people who do not have children. And that's not my intention, but it's just where I am. Yeah. And that's my own truth right no, now. I love this. But I feel like I look at her and I have thought to myself several times, there's no such thing as time wasted staring at a baby. Yeah. And I think that that's the same way of saying they grew up too fast, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a little less obnoxious and it is a good reminder to me. So rather than be abrasive and go, they don't grow up too fast, they grow up just fast. No, I know. Just take this time and just look at this baby and just look at your children. Just look at your life. And that's what you were saying. Just be there. Yeah. And that is that mentality just for those minutes. And if that means I need to sweep the floor and like vacuum something or, or do, put the dishes away so that I can relax, that's what I'll do. That's what you do. I will, I, I'm not going to, people say, oh, leave the dishes. You can always do the dishes tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, but then I can't relax tonight. Right. That's who I am. Yeah. And that's my burden and how I live my life. And I don't judge you if you don't. I don't care if you leave it. I don't care. But this is who I am. And that's how I live my, I live my life to my fullest by making sure I do the dishes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to end on that now. That's great. I can't top that. No, like, <laughs> but great. yeah, I mean, just that, that way I can relax and I can just stare at the baby. But even if there's dishes and even if there's things to be done, if I am just staring at my baby or just 
feeling happy. There, there is that's not time wasted. Right. And that's something I'm beginning to learn. Is yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, I think that's where I'll Leah, leave Leah, thank you thank so you. much. This was wonderful thank for me. I've got so much to write about now. <laughs> I'm going to take notes on the things I said because <laughs> that's like the ultimate ego. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I just you. learned so much from myself. <laughs> thank you. I learned so much doing this. <laughs> I hope today's episode inspires you to begin journaling, writing, or picking up your pen again if you've been feeling writer's block. If you're loving the Yoke and Abundance Wise Woman podcast, head over to iTunes, fill in some stars for us, and let other people know what they can expect by writing us a review. Thank you so much for being a part of the Yoke and Abundance community. Don't keep this podcast a secret. Take 10 short seconds and share this podcast on social media or with a friend check out our website, yokeandabundance.com to schedule your free discovery call with me to bring clarity to what you most want and how best to get there. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Triad Local First, and my amazing editor and producer, Iris Sterling at Julia Sound Recordings. Remember, every one of us has wisdom within. Keep sharing your words of wisdom because you never know who you'll inspire.